You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. Oh, baby! Every week, Travis Kura. That's Greg Company, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted it is! And it's over! Ready, set, hunt! Hey, thanks for pressing play on this episode of To and Out. It's Travis Kura, Sheldon Jones, and... Initially, I was against you shaving that mullet, but look at you, man. I clean up. I clean up well. You That is a nice, slick haircut, the nice, tight beard trim, and here I am just, you're making me look bad. Marcia, that's, that's why I get you on the show. Although, earlier this week, you told me you went out for endless shrimp at Red Lobster, and I cannot convey my disappointment at how quickly that endless shrimp came to an end, Sheldon. <laughs> like, you texted Listen. me, you ate 30 of these tiny sea crustaceans, and you said you were struggling already. Like, what happened? That's, that's not it at all. Like, <laughs> come on. I ended at 52, okay. okay, and they were all the big ones. They weren't, there's none of the little ones. What I was saying is they used to put the little ones in the linguine back in the day so you could count them because they're actual shrimp. Yeah, but you so can't count, count that in your numbers. So in the past, you're Good. inflating your numbers. Inflation's a thing. Get used to it. <laughs> Whatever. But you know what's crazy? On Mondays at Red Lobster in Regina, it's only $20 for end of shrimp still. Like, shrimp are inflation-proof, apparently. You're losing if you don't go. Exactly. Like I'm going every Monday from now on. So here's like, the thing. It's been said that Red Deer cannot <laughs> have a Red Lobster because of its proximity to an international airport. It's basically almost exactly 90 minutes away from Edmonton or Calgary. And I know Regina has an international airport. I, but you're saying that not like we're Hamilton. endless shrimp is... Still 20 bucks. Winnipeg doesn't have an airport. Do they have a Red Lobster? I don't even know. It's 20 bucks on Mondays, $25 any other day. But still, like 20 bucks for endless shrimp? Like, Even if you're going to put a performance forward like Sheldon, it's worth it. Man, <laughs> hey, listen. I was driving home from work. I see the sign that it's back. And me and my brother-in-law, we go like usually once a year. And so I text him as I'm driving. Well, I voice text him as I'm driving saying, hey, endless shrimp is back. And he's like, he sends me a text back later. Oh, cool. And so I'm hungry. I'm on my way home. I go to McDonald's. I get a double QPC and a large fry and a large drink. Okay. And I'm eating it. And he's like, all right, let's meet there in, in at 530. And I'm like, oh, no. So, so you McDonald's and you had that? So... <laughs> So this fat guy still ate a lot of food, and you know what? You're going to be in Regina in a couple weeks. Labor Day Shrimp Fest? Challenge is on, just saying. 
No, please don't. That would make us feel like garbage at the game. Yeah, be pre-game Labor Day Shrimp Fest? Probably wow. not the best idea. <laughs> no. But anywho, I was at the pool. <laughs> this is my George Costanza moment, and I will take it. I had a full stomach already. All right, all right. Is a double QPC a half pounder? Uh, it has to be, right? Probably, be, yeah, right? probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. a quarter pound and a quarter pound is a half. Yes, we can do math. <laughs> pre-cooked, pre-cooked. Pre-cooked, that's the key. Now, <laughs> I always encourage uh, people to go to twoandout.ca, click mailbag, and uh, participate with the show. And this is what George did. George is in smoky Peachland, B.C., by the way. So, George, uh, thanks for writing in. I definitely hope you're safe as you uh, take part in uh, to and out. Uh, he, he shared a thought on each nine teams, uh, each of the nine teams in the CFL, as we're about halfway through the season, just about a sentence on each team. For the B.C. Lions, he says, Nathan who? <laughs> Yeah. For the Elks, he says, yay, a win, but still. <sighs> hey, the, two in a row coming up, man. For the, for the Staffs, he says, it's sad to see an era come to an end, unless it's Calgary. Then it's angry elk awesome. <laughs> awesome for us, too. I'm going to save the Riders one for last because I just love the line. Uh, for the Bombers, he says they're old and slow, except when they need not to be. That's probably pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for the Red Blacks, he says, God must hate the Red Blacks. No, wait. God must love the Red Blacks. No, wait. Oh, I am so confused. <laughs> <laughs> for the Thai Cats, he goes, can Scott Milanovic find a big enough fire extinguisher? I don't think so. Uh, for the Argos... <laughs> Will continue to dominate the highly prestigious and completely unbiased Dog of the Week Awards. Yes, they will. For the Alouettes, he says, if we can trick Jason and Cody into saying Alouettes backwards, will they be pulled back into Bizarro World? <laughs> and then the, hey. <laughs> the, the Rough Riders. They're on track to once again lead the league in fan base heart attacks per capita. He says, this is a true story. During the last two minutes of Sunday's game against the Lions, he actually received an alert on his Fitbit. It told him that he he appears to be stationary, but his heart rate is very high. <laughs> I think a lot of fans got that alert. Which I absolutely love that line. Uh, over three quarters of a million people watched that game on Sunday, the highest rated CFL game of the season, and the league toting some metrics as we are about a week and a half away from Labor Day, talking about the increase in ratings, the increase of the 25 to 54 demographic. Uh, watching the games on TSN, which, by the way, I actually do think it's impressive the TV numbers that are getting pulled in because, as far as I know, this doesn't count the streamers, the people stealing or pirating games. <laughs> and, and that's the age we live in now. So I, I think it's pretty impressive what we're seeing. Yeah, it's very impressive. Yeah, I, I, I love what's happening. They talk about... 
the slight increase in attendance and game day revenue in the major markets like Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal. Um, but things are kind of falling in places like Edmonton, even Saskatchewan and Calgary a little bit. So there's a bit of give and take. It seems like we can never have the perfect situation <laughs> in the CFL. If things are, you know, being talked about more positively in Vancouver and Montreal than the mighty Edmonton franchise starts to struggle a little bit. And that's, that's just what happens. And and I know we'd all like every team to go nine and nine, but there always seems to be a really bad team. <laughs> I guess we would like them to be not completely incompetent and be able to compete. And it does seem like I know Ottawa really struggling in recent years, Edmonton as well, but they seem to be, putting out more positives lately than we've seen even last season, you know? Yeah, no, this, this season has been, been great for like the East has a, at least up until last week, a winning record against the West, I think. Right. Yeah, so yeah. it's like, I think parody is here. There's still some teams that are a little bit worse and there's obviously teams that are a little bit better, but the, the gap has been shortened and it's just been exciting football. And yeah, it's paying off by, the ratings it was getting you're you're obviously getting people on X and other yeah. social medias that are Xing about the games <laughs> and uh and so it's it word of mouth is obviously spreading and pe- more people are checking it out which is which is great i wish we could figure out a way to get attendance up as well and the, the bigger markets too but it, it's positive numbers for those other three like you mentioned and, and those three need it the most so it, it's it's still a good thing isn't this uh wild like considering we don't have live stats like i and i i realize things can be better and uh, i think everybody listening to the podcast every fan of the canadian mm-hmm. football league wants things to be better so we're, we're approaching Labor Day. Man, I had hopes that this whole stats thing would be figured out. I was poking around the site trying to figure out uh, the league leaders and things like that. And all there is right now is a PDF. That's that's just not good enough. And at this point, it's like, is this going to be ready for the playoffs? So with yeah. all of this engagement increasing, ratings increasing, we got to be better to kind of support those things to keep this momentum going. But I digress to week 12 where do you think the Alouettes get disrespected a little bit? The Bombers are nine point favorites. Now the the Bombers are four and one at home. The Alouettes have won four in a row. They're three and one on the road. But I, I, I still think they're kind of getting overlooked a little bit. And Winnipeg seems to be a team, they, I don't know, sometimes they'll just go out there and crush you like they did against BC, but then sometimes they'll play down to their opponent. And I know Drew Brown got the start, but Calgary had every opportunity to beat Winnipeg. They they couldn't pull it off. I'd say Montreal is a better team than Calgary right now. Yeah, especially with Cody back in there, I I would say so. Um, yeah, I, uh, nine points. It's it does seem like a lot, but I I don't know if that's unfair. Uh, it's just like you said, it all depends. Like the like you said, it 
the Bombers are like a Jekyll and a Hyde kind of team, it seems, where sometimes... But and but the, the most frustrating thing is they're Jekyll and Hyde in the same game. It's yeah. not just like week to week. They can <laughs> the bed in the first half, and then O'Shea is great at, at making second half uh, adjustments, and then they rattle off 30 points in the second half and come back and win. So um, with their explosive offense, I can see them getting, you know, those 10 or covering with those 10 points. But at the same time, nine and a half, I could see Montreal keeping it close. And Montreal's, they've had a couple comeback wins too. Uh, so Cody's always been a, a late game player. He, he In Ryderville, he did it a number of times coming back and winning the game again. So I think it's going to be a fantastic game, to be honest. Like it's starting off with a good game. Like let's let's go. Well, let's see if the Alouettes come crashing down to earth a little bit. Four in a row, yeah. but Winnipeg this week, BC next week, and then a back to back with Toronto. So over it's these fun. next four games, we're going to find out who the Alouettes are. If you look at the stats, uh, they're third, the least amount of yards given up per play. They've given up the least offensive touchdowns in the CFL. They've given up 14, where the BC Lions and the Bombers have given up 15 offensive touchdowns. Uh, the Al are the Owls. Yeah, they're third in net offense against behind uh, BC and Winnipeg. So right now, I mean. They're doing pretty well, but we'll see what happens, like you said, or I said, over the next four games here. Cody Fajardo is set to return, but Zach Kolaris set to return for the Bombers as well. And maybe that is why they're given that generous line of being nine-point favorites. But I don't know if you caught it. He threw a little bit of shade at the CFL uh, in a scrum with the media, basically after returning to practice. He was asked about his thoughts, you know, on that hit, the injury he suffered in the Edmonton game. And he had said, well, he didn't think the hit was intentional. He said that protecting quarterbacks has never been a priority in this league. It was a subtle dig, but, uh, yeah, Zach Kolaros, the two-time MOP, not very happy with what happened there. Yeah, and a pissed-off Zach is a very good quarterback. It's so, so I don't know if the if the odds makers had that in their pocket too, but yeah, no. I, when he's ticked off, he's not a quarterback I would want to play against. So I'm glad he's gonna maybe get it out of his system this week before Labor Day and Banjo Bowl. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, uh, you got you feel for the guy because he's he's been on the receiving end of, of lots of hits and. He's probably going to be a little lighter in his wallet after making those comments, but Maybe. Uh, I, he's not wrong. Sometimes it seems like they call the stupidest rinky-dink roughing the passers, and then sometimes they seem to miss obvious shots. Like, like in the Ryder game, i I don't think it was I don't think it was roughing the passer when they kind of sandwiched Vernon Adams and his head. Like, it, it didn't. There was no contact to his head. It was. I don't think it was that late. The later one with Lanier, that was bad. He, yeah, yeah, that, that was, was not good. And but, but like that that play in Winnipeg 
when he got hurt or Edmonton, wherever it was, like that could have been, it could have been flagged. I don't know if it should have been, but it could have been if they were, if you're really careful or if you're really worried about safe player safety, then some of those bigger hits got to be flagged. But at the same time, look at this past week at the Ryder game and all those special teams hits where they were just great, like great hits. Like there's nothing malicious about them. And, it's it's a tough sport. It's a physical sport, but you do have to protect the athletes, and especially the star athletes that get the money, right? Yeah, and, you know, so many quarterbacks have been injured. I think uh, Jake Dolagala was the 21st or 22nd starting quarterback in the league this year. So much bad, bad luck, though, you know? <laughs> yeah, there's so many different things. Like, it's some places yeah. have terrible turf. Some places have... It's just, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's bad luck. It seems like one group is kind of targeted every year. Like last year, receivers were getting hurt. Mm. Like it's just, That's I true. don't know. It's, it's, but it, it's not a good look for the league when no, you're already struggling with having like elite quarterbacks when you only have two or three maybe that you would call that. And then they're all getting injured. Like, mm-hmm. it, but it, it maybe we're going to find our, our next crop of elite quarterbacks now with, these backups playing. Yeah. Uh, for Montreal, Walter Fletcher and William Stanback are going to be in uniform here. I would like to see them employ the thunder and lightning thing in the backfield. They haven't really had much of a rushing attack in 2023, but there's been glimpses, and I really do think that would be big for the Alouette offense. But, hey, they do have the leading receiver in the league in Austin Mack just like we had it all drawn up back at the beginning of June. <laughs> and I think this is an interesting note. Uh, Chandler Worthy looks like he's going to get the start at wide receiver, and he has played receiver before, although his career has kind of seen a little bit of a resurgence in Montreal with uh, his uh, success on special teams. I think getting him involved in the offense would be pretty cool, and I hope they can figure that out. Uh I just want some off-the-field notes for Winnipeg. Kudos to them. I think they've uh, donated over $300,000 worth of stuff to uh, minor football this year, including 525 brand-new helmets that will be distributed uh, across schools in Manitoba. And on a lighter note, well, maybe a heavier note, I got to mention that Ukrainian burger that's going to be available at the concessions in Winnipeg. I truly believe this, that these sort of attractions and these fun concession food items and maybe making some of these items, the only place you can get them is at a CFL stadium. I think this would be good for the league. I I imagine a two-and-out article coming out every May talking about new (laughs) mind-blowing items coming out. At stadiums across the league, we see it in uh, the Calgary Stampede every year. They <laughs> they come up with this article, the crazy stuff you could buy at the stadium, ketchup and mustard ice cream. And even if people don't get it, people talk about it. Oh, yeah. So I think this would just add to the stadium experience. But this Ukrainian burger, <laughs> caramelized onions on it, uh, sauerkraut on it, sour cream. And 20 pierogies, 
And then it looks like two garlic sausages. If you probably put them end to end and straighten them out, it's probably three feet of sausage. Like, yeah, it's like one of those full coils that you would yeah. buy at like Costco. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's go. People have said it looks gross, but you know what? People are talking, and you can only get it at IG Field. So I love that. Kudos to the Bombers for making that happen. It looks like they're going to have another big crowd Thursday night, and then the Banjo Bowl is sold out. So well done to the Bombers for the sustained success in Winnipeg. If we do quickly look at the injury report uh, for this coming game, uh, Brandon Alexander is actually doubtful on the injury report. It says it's not injury related. So that would be an absence from the back end of Winnipeg's defense if he does miss the game. Let's go to Friday Night Football where Calgary goes east to play Calgary East. The Argos are 10-point favorites over the Calgary Stampeders. The over-under is set at 51. Now, a few weeks ago, I know Chad Kelly left the game with an ankle injury, but the Stamps beat the Argos. And I feel like, just like Saskatchewan played BC to the best of their abilities and maybe looked like a different team that we had seen all season. I think Calgary still has the ability to do that. They're a younger team, but I think they've got the coaching to to pull it off. I'm not saying that they're going to go to Toronto and win, but I and they're 3 and 7, I get that. But they still do have some ability to maybe keep this game maybe closer than people think. We'll we'll see what happens, but they did beat Toronto (laughs) not too long ago. A blow to the Calgary offense. Kadeem Carey is not playing, but I think Diedrich Mills has uh, been successful when he's been into games this year, and I love watching him play. Uh, And in Toronto, your ticket this week gets you entry into the CNE, which I think is uh, good for Argo fans or people that want to go check out the fair and have some ketchup and mustard ice cream or uh, what have you in Toronto. Have you been to BMO Field, Sheldon? Uh, I have not. I've driven by it, but I have not. It's a cool setting to watch a game. Now, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was there once, 2016. <laughs> I was surfing Kijiji while not in the best state of mind there for the Grey Cup and got scammed out of some tickets. <laughs> but the oh, the sun came out after this storm. And uh, <laughs> the CFL ended up uh, putting my brother and I up in uh, a family section for the Stampeders. And, uh, yeah, we were cheering for the Ottawa Red Blacks and uh, the the family members around us weren't so happy. And (laughs) Henry Burris ended up pulling off the win. But uh, that was an incredible, incredible great cup. Do you see the Stamps having much success (laughs) this week in Toronto? Now the Argos are coming off the bye, so that's another thing. Yeah, um, they're obviously going to want to get some revenge for taking that L earlier. Uh, but 
like you said, they they have the ability to still score points and to ha- they have a good defense too. Yeah. Um, it's just the quarterback play has been very hot and cold. Like, cause there's even that Ottawa game, Jay, like Mayer, like looked on fire. Like he was hitting, yeah, he had like 450 yards or something that game. But then there's games where he'll just he can't hit the broadside of a barn door. So they have the receivers. If if he can get the ball into their hands, then they have the receivers to make it close. And Mills has been running really well. So I think they will keep it close. And a lot of Toronto's games are high-scoring shootouts, it seems, because they're giving up a lot of points too. So I think, yeah, I I, I hope it's a nice, close shootout-style game. But I, I, do, I do see the Argos pulling away in the end. Yeah, it's limiting those bad decisions from Jake Mayer. Like, sometimes they'll follow up, you know, a nice drive or a turnover, and we've seen it several times this season, where the Stamps defense forces a turnover, and then just a bad decision by Jake. And I think we know that the Argos defense is capable of turning those turnovers into complete disasters for the opponent, even if they don't take it all the way for six, it seems like Chad Kelly and the offense has been able to capitalize on that. The Argos actually have the best turnover ratio in the Canadian football league. They are plus 12 right now. So to Calgary to limit those obviously is a major focus and has to be going into this one. It looks like the Argos could be getting DeMonte Coxey back into the lineup. He's been practicing in full. He's made some dynamic catches this year. And I think the Argos receiving core kind of gets overlooked. But before the bye, I believe DeVaris Daniels, who's had success in the CFL for quite a number of years, had the hat trick of touchdowns. Now Coxey comes back healthy and full strength. I mean, it made Markeith Ambles almost expendable. He went back to Calgary. So it's kind of a under-the-radar receiving core, but they can make plays, and I know you're going to want to talk about them. A.J. Olette. <laughs> hey, first oh, game back. <laughs> first game back after that awesome spear through the table. How awesome was that? It's amazing. I don't know how or why the Argos let him do it, but it's amazing. Like I'm shocked. He blows yeah. out his knee, like, but amazing. Like he obviously when he retires, you know, wrestlers can wrestle into their forties. So yeah. if he wants to, it looks like he, he could set himself up for a nice second career there. I and, did you know we revisit Angelo Mosca's book during the pandemic and just the, the culture back then, uh, I'm so fascinated by it. He was playing football. He was wrestling in the WWF. Like, Bruno. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, if AJ Olette can move up the pro wrestling ranks, I, I'm all for this. <laughs> well, I think it's like, awesome. I think James Wilder Jr. tried, like, had he a trial. He had with a trial. I don't know what happened with it, but, yeah, it's – they're looking for athletes, so yep. they'll take a football player. I don't know if they'll take like a, a late 30s football player, but 
That's hey, what they look for. Olette's got the head of hair for, you know, maybe being uh, from the Rockers or something like that. And, hey, and Brian Pillman Jr. looks like him. He looks yeah. exactly like Brian Pillman Jr. right now. <laughs> and hey, if we talk pro wrestling, R.I.P. the Funker, the great Terry Funk. We lost at 79 years old. I feel like he was still wrestling like two years ago, too. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if it was two years ago. I think Tommy Dreamer always talks about him on Busted Open, but uh, he was wrestling well, like probably into the beginning of his 70s for sure. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Oh, Terry. Love him. And let's quickly shift over to the West Coast where the BC Lions are also heavy favorites this week, but they were heavy favorites on Sunday against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. They are now 10-point favorites over the Hamilton Tiger Cats where the over-under is at 46 here. Now, Lions, I guess a slightly short week, but the, the Ticats traveling to the West Coast, and you have to think that the pressure is on Orlando Steinauer right now. They're the one in the one in nine for the Edmonton Elks. Uh, didn't have any offensive success against them. They missed kicks. They had poor clock management against the Elks. And now this tough test in Vancouver. It just doesn't seem like a team in a very good spot right now, Sheldon. No, uh, <clears throat> I don't even know what to say. Yeah, it, it's been a tough year. As, as tough as a year, it's it's felt like here some in some circumstances, or as an elk fan, it's it's been a very tough year because there was a lot of ex- anticipation and expectations in Hamilton. You get Bo Levi, uh, <clears throat> so yeah, it's rough. But you know, they second week under Milanovic is offense, so we'll see see what they can do there and. Uh, hopefully, hopefully Powell can lead some offense that we at least have a game and not just uh, slaughtering. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> I think the Mountain Lions are going to be killing those Tiger Cats. If, if you <laughs> well, and that's the key. Like uh, James Butler making his return to BC Place, of course, great success in Vancouver. And great success actually last week, despite the loss against Edmonton. They had yeah. Butler rolling at times. Getting a running back rolling against the BC Lions doesn't seem to be uh, an easy task, though. But Butler having success on first down and the Ticats offense in general having success on first down is an absolute must if they're going to try and, and they're going to leave Vancouver with a victory because it's starting to get to desperation time. As we start to look at the playoffs, it kind of seems like the bottom four teams, Edmonton, Hamilton, Calgary, Ottawa, they're all in that hunt for that final playoff spot, which as of right now would be that Eastern semifinal in Montreal. Who is going to be Montreal's opponent at that one? Well, Hamilton needs to... Start beating some tough teams if uh, they're going to be getting into that game. Uh, If we look to the BC Lions, it it really is uh, limiting. If you want to talk to the Saskatchewan game, 
Perkins, the offensive lineman, if my math is right, I think he had 55 yards in penalties. So (laughs) those holding calls, he had a procedure. Uh, They have to get on top of those penalties and also uh, the turnovers. Uh, They were able to move the ball against Saskatchewan, but a costly interception, penalties, that just uh, made it tough for them to overcome against a Rough Rider team that was playing with some intensity. So the Ticats, let's see if they're going to be able to bring that intensity here. But I have no doubt that Vernon Adams Jr. is uh, going to keep playing some pretty darn good football because he moved the ball against the Riders, and you saw it in the stands. Yeah, and he was playing hurt for three-quarters of the game too. Like he got a wicked elbow to the – the thigh and a pretty yeah. bad Charlie hurt, so he could tell. Like every every television break, he was stretching it out and trying mm-hmm. to loosen it up and bouncing around on it. But like Vernon Adams is a gamer, and it he's so determined. Like when he first got hurt and then came back in a few plays later and threw that pick, I was like, ah, this is gonna be one of those Vernon Adams almost bad felt games like that. that he has. But no, he shook that right off and. I believe it was the next series. That's when they had that that first touchdown to uh, Hatcher, I think. Uh, and they, yeah, like if they had another two minutes in that game, I think BC still does win that game. Uh, but a lot of a weaker opponent, I would say, coming in, and you're you're upset because you got a loss, and that doesn't bode well for Hamilton. The Ticats are last in touchdowns scored. They are second last in points scored by the offense. And that is, of course, the Elks last. They got shut out twice, but the Ticats have only outscored them by seven on the season. Uh, the the Cats offense is not what... Uh, <laughs> what was expected, and of course, Schilt getting hurt, Bo getting hurt, that doesn't help. I, I understand that. Uh, the Ticats and the Lions are actually two of the worst rushing teams in the CFL. The Lions, 78.1 yards a game. The Ticats, 82.6. But the Ticats are last in rushing attempts. And I don't know, to help out Mr. Taylor Powell, James Butler is going to be a focus for the Ticats offense, but you know it's going to be a focus for that BC Lions defense as well. The the Ticats have given up 375 point yards of net offense a game. That is good enough for seventh in the CFL. So the the Ticats struggling in a lot, a lot of categories. They've given up the most points per game in the CFL, while the Lions have given up the least. It just shows that there are some categories here where it's a bit of a mismatch uh, with the Lions playing the Ticats, but still, we've seen upsets this season. So the Lions, they cannot take Hamilton lightly, and if they're going to want to keep pace with Winnipeg, they're going to need to get themselves a win here. Uh, A tough blow to the BC Lions, as it appears Nathan Cherry, who is from Saskatoon, went to the U of S out for the year with a knee injury. He's been out there on specials, rotating in on the D-line. 
And unfortunately, he's going to be out for the year. Uh, this Sunday, it's BC Lions Day at the PE in uh, Vancouver. Uh, it's going to start at 11. They're going to be there handing away some cool prizes. Players are going to be signing autographs. Lucky Whitehead is going to be on hand for the Super Dogs show <laughs> at 6 o'clock on Sunday. <laughs> I don't know if he's going to get involved. I, I, hey, if AJ Olette can uh, be able wrestle. To run them. <laughs> you hate people that run those dogs. Who knows? Hey, if AJ Olette can wrestle, I'd like to see Lucky Whitehead run that uh, Super Dogs course. Those dogs are impressive, man. Yeah. <laughs> and BC Lions fans, they get special pricing off of uh, P&E advanced tickets. I will tell you the code, BC Lion 23. There you go. Enjoy a BC Lions Day this Sunday. And the game, of course, on Saturday at BC Place. I just love what's going on in Vancouver. Talked to the president recently. The packages that they sell for out-of-town fans, whether they're on the island or elsewhere in Vancouver, they're making things happen, man. And... uh I just see Vernon Adams Jr. and the offense flying against the Ticats Saturday uh, at BC Place. Now, if, look at the injury report here. Uh, the Ticats will be happy to have Terry Godwin back at practice. I guess he is dealing with some uh, illness, but to have him back in the lineup would be good for that receiving core. And then uh, other than Nathan Cherry, the BC Lions are looking pretty healthy themselves. Now, Sheldon, Sunday, the Edmonton Elks, one-point favorites <laughs> over the Ottawa Red Blacks. <laughs> I don't know the last time the Elks have been a, a favorite at home, but here we are. And In general. Could this be the end of pro sports' longest home losing streak the Elks playing the Red Blacks. Yeah, it ends. I'm picking the Elks, but I've talked to some fans in Edmonton. They're saying, look, I'm not counting the chickens before they hatch, man. Oh, of course. Of course they're not going to, but as an outsider, Edmonton's winning this game. The They broke the record, and that's enough. Let's, let's get the, those fans a win, and... Uh, maybe get on a roll. Like after this, they have Calgary twice. Calgary's not a good team. Not a great team. They may be, eh, no, they're not a good team. Not so, right now. Potentially could go on a 4-0 run here. And I don't think they will. I, I see a split, but they're winning this game. They, they're coming off of momentum, finally winning that first game of the year. Trey Ford's playing again. He, he won the last two games that he's played or that he started. They're winning. Okay, so I look at the Red Blacks' defense, and I've praised them. Others across the CFL have praised them. But I think reality has started to set in a little bit. I don't know if the offense has helped them out as much as you would hope. Uh, their rushing defense, good. Actually, great. The only defense in the CFL surrendering less than four yards a carry. That is excellent. 
but when you look at the passing numbers, it is uh, it's not good. Uh, they've given up actually the most touchdowns in the CFL, the most offensive uh, touchdowns in the CFL as well. The passing yards, they're the only team in the CFL to be giving up more than 300 yards a game. They're 30 yards more than the closest team. So they're giving up 10-point yards a pass. They've given up the most passing touchdowns, the most completions over 30 yards. (laughs) we got to cool the Jets on the Red Blacks' defense a little bit. They've been giving up big plays. And Trey Ford and the Elks' offense made some big plays against the Ticats last week. This is why Trey Ford is my fantasy quarterback, which means that I've jinxed it. I will be attending the game at Commonwealth Stadium. And Sleeping I've, on the couch. That's the double jinx. <laughs> <laughs> well, my wife's been like, there have been times this year when I'm like, they're going to do it. And my wife's like, no, it's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. well, what does what does Taylor think about this weekend? Like, she, I think she, she's cautiously yeah. optimistic, which is, I think, a good thing to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know what? At times this year, the Elks have given up big plays as well. Uh, they have struggled against the run uh, at times this year. They're the only team in the CFL giving up over six yards a carry. Now, <laughs> when Dustin Crumb started starting. He was a threat with his legs. And in the past few weeks, and remember that game against Toronto, he had three passing touchdowns. He's he's coming yeah. around when it comes to the passing, not using the legs as much. But we've seen Jackson Bennett, the running back, making plays. Devontae Williams, the running back, making plays for the Red Blacks. So maybe that is how they're going to try to get to Edmonton because over the past few weeks, that defensive line, that front with blitzes as well, they've been getting after quarterbacks, and Crum has been taking hits. I don't know how they limit that happening against Edmonton, but they need to find a way to stop it early because I feel like if the momentum starts in Edmonton's way and it's happened before where they have the momentum in the first half and it falls apart in the second half. But yeah. if they let that Elks team start rolling early, it might be tough for Crum and the Red Blacks. I think Crum's kind of been figured out. Uh, like, I think defensive coordinators are spying him now and to take away that chance of him, you know, running after he can't find anybody. So they – they have to work on on his throwing, but Chris Jones has a confusing defense, uh, and this is going to be the first time he's seeing it. So um, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I I don't see any of these these late game, you know, tying and winning in overtime. Like I I don't think teams are going to allow that anymore. Uh, they they kind of know what to do to stop him now. I think, but we'll see what happens. Well, and last week, Ottawa was the team that allowed Montreal to come back with maybe some conservative play calling on both offense and defense. So, hey, they've got a chance to beat Edmonton as well. They have some veterans that could be added to the lineup in Brandon Dandridge, who's had an impact in the return game and on defense. Uh, I know Devontae Dedman 
out for the year. It sucks, but Dandridge has been able to have success in the return game, and they might be able to get Braylon Addison into the into the lineup, which uh, I would love to see him back onto the field. He's coming off the Achilles injury, practicing in full early this week. I love to see that. Unfortunately, Nate Bahar uh, not practicing. He's got an Achilles injury now listed on the uh, injury report. I do want to mention this. And Dave Campbell from 630 Chad mentioning Dean Faithful, the kicker for the Elks, not practicing as of Wednesday. That's not good because he's their only kicker on the roster. He's their global player on the roster. So I, I always so thought it was playing. kind of a puzzling decision, uh, the 36-year-old rookie uh, <laughs> for Chris Jones and the Elks. But if he's unable to play, we'll see what happens there. <laughs> we do got to mention – off-the-field stuff for the Elks. Uh, Rick Lalisher, I guess, coming out of retirement. Uh, he's the interim president and CEO in Edmonton. He's got a task ahead of him. I watched some of the press briefings. Uh, I guess it was Tuesday. Trying to be that steady hand, that respected voice in the organization, uh, putting the team on the right path. He's kind of going to have meetings with everybody in Commonwealth Stadium and around the organization seeing what needs to be fixed, and uh, trying to maybe get some more cash injected into that franchise and seeing which way they can go regarding community ownership or not. And I've also heard that he might be the guy leading the charge in the CFL meetings when it comes to that operations cap. But uh, Chris Jones is thinking, man, let's delay this as long as we can. Because, well, let, Chris Jones loves the cap. No, seriously, if they go on a four-game winning streak here, <laughs> is is all the talk of Jones being fired like gone? No, it won't be. Yeah, there the talk is going to be get him out of the GM and he can coach. Right, like that right. will still be happening. But um, <clears throat> he's a far better coach than a GM, I think. I think everyone can like he he obviously knows talent and he's he's always had an eye for talent but yeah it seems like he wants to make his eye for talent work no matter what at the expense of possibly winning games which which we've seen with Trey Ford and, and not playing him up until last week so but if they go on a if if they get into a playoff position then at least maybe it quiets down a little bit uh I don't know. I still have Chris Jones' PS PTSD from the Riders when he left us, so I, I don't. <laughs> I still think if that Rider team had any sort of offense, they, yeah. they would have won a championship. I know, well, I know they ended no, up. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. no different than when he was with an Edm when in Edmonton. He, he had an amazing defense, and he had Mike Riley. That's yeah. why they won the Great Cup, because he had Mike Riley as a quarterback. So. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's a shame. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, sarcastically. <laughs> the Jerry Seinfeld gif. My favorite gif, especially around you guys. 
<laughs> uh, the CFL Podcast Fantasy League. Uh, I I took a loss to Adam from Canadian Football Countdown, so congrats to him last week. And uh, this week, I think I've got Will from the Argos fan cast. So we'll see what happens here. Pull your lineup up when you got a chance. I'm uh, I'm rolling with the Elks, man. I'm rolling with it. Uh, Trey Ford's my QB. Kyron Moore, my receiver that I've matched with him and the Edmonton Elks defense. Uh, my running backs are Devonte Williams and Brady Oliveira. And I've also got Devon Devante uh, Coxey of the Argos and Tommy Lee Lewis of the Stampeders. He is actually questionable this week. So I might have to switch that up. They've also got Bryce Bell, the offensive lineman, maybe not playing for the Stampeders as well. So we'll see. If I have to switch him there, I, I think he's a guy that needs to get into the offense more. And he gets return yards, so yeah, uh, yeah. he'll be my guy if I can uh, fit him into the lineup for the Stamps against the Argos. What are you looking at? Uh, I also have Trey Ford and the Elks defense. Uh, my captain is A.J. Olette, of course. <laughs> uh, my other running back's Mizell. Just rolling the dice. Hopefully, he can have a good game. He's had good uh, games. For, yeah. For receivers, I got Kenny the King Lawler, Jalen Acklin, and my flex is Hukunova uh, Matata. Hukunova era. Yeah. Hukunova. Hukunova. There we go. Hukunova. There you go. <laughs> oh, I thought about getting touchdown tie in there against the Bombers as well, but uh, I don't know. If I'm looking at Pickham this week, I'm sweeping it. For the home teams, Bombers, Argos, Lions, Elks. We you are too? the same again. Hopefully, hopefully hey, we go four and zero instead of three and one last week. I'm seven and one in the past two weeks, so uh, I'll take hey. it any way yeah. I can. Uh, Sheldon, hey, sick haircut, terrible shrimp eating skills, but thanks for uh, coming on the show. <laughs> You're so bad. I love it. <laughs> Thanks for coming on and chat football on a Wednesday, my man. No problem. Anytime. As long as it's not a rainy day. <laughs> you can rate, review, and Pass subscribe. It, it was raining here, but now the sun's shining. Uh, yeah. <laughs> do it out on your favorite podcast. You can like, comment, and subscribe on our YouTube channel if you want to see our ruggedly handsome mugs and then uh, patreon as well patreon.com slash tune out cfl podcast thanks for listening to the show i'll be back on monday to recap week 12 with brazilian Thai. we'll talk to you soon thanks for listening find more great shows like this at cf pod network on twitter 